Support for this podcast comes from Broadbean, a smart, innovative global recruitment technology business which helps recruiters to reach candidates in a fast, effective and efficient way. I recently spoke with their client, James Purvis, head of talent acquisition at CERN, to find out what he loves about Broadbean. What I love about Broadbean is the ability to take decisions based on data. So instead of having to believe what the vendors provide you in terms of their information of how many candidates they're going to bring to you, um, you can really use the metrics of the tool to understand how many of the clicks turn into applications, how many of those applicants turn into interviews and how many become higher. So it's all about evaluating the quality and not just the quantity. To find out more, go to www.broadbean.com. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 40 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Something we hear said a lot in our space is that in-house recruiters need to behave more like marketeers. Very rarely, though, does anyone actually justify why they're saying that or explain how it works in practical terms. My guest this week is Ted Elliott from Job Science. In our interview, Ted gives us the justification and provides practical insight that is often missing in the recruiters should be more like marketeers conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Recruiting Future podcast interview. My guest uh, for this episode is Ted Elliott from Job Science. Hi, Ted. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Very good. Very good indeed. Um, could you uh, just give give everyone a bit of a back, bit of a background on you um, and uh, and Job Science and, and and what you do? Sure. Um, so I'm Ted Elliott. I'm the CEO of Job Science. I started my career uh, back in 1994, actually 1993, in retained executive search. Um, and um, went on to uh, leave the recruiting space for a couple of years to go to law school, uh, and then came back and formed Job Science in 1999. Um, we specialize in uh, recruiting uh, for corporates, uh, for staffing uh, and professional recruiting companies, um, and also um, for RPOs. Um, our customer base uh, is over 640 customers globally, and today about half of our customer base is in Europe and Asia. Thank you. That's uh, that. That's um, that. That's great. And I think um, what I kind of really sort of wanted to frame in this um, uh, conversation is, is is your kind of sort of uh, mantra towards recruiting and recruiting software is applying marketing and sales best practice to recruiting. Could you tell us a little bit about that ethos and how it came about and how um, how it sort of plays out with the work that you do? Yeah, um, great question. So a few years ago, I read a book called Blue Ocean Strategy. Um, and Blue Ocean Strategy talks about how we're all doing uh, everything the same way. Uh, and when we do things the same way, all the competitors tend to converge in the same area. They create the red ocean. Uh, the red ocean is where all you can do is compete on price. So if you're an employer, all you can do is compete on paying people more. Uh, in other use cases, it's generally going the opposite direction, which is <laughs> you've got to lower the price of your product to be able to compete in the red ocean. So Blue Ocean Strategy says go pick something that's worked somewhere else really well and try and redirect it for what you do uh, in your business to be different. 
Um, we uh, at Job Science looked at um, CRM or customer relationship management and said, geez, recruiting is really um, a marketing exercise, a selling exercise, and a customer service exercise, all bundled into someone generally sitting at a single desk who has to, to be all three of those things. Um, what if we looked at the recruiting process as one where we need to focus on marketing the talent? Um, and this really came from years of hearing recruiters talk about candidates applying for multiple positions on their website, but none of the candidates were right who were applying from their website. And, and people talking about going after the passive candidate um, and brand marketing or employment marketing uh, branding um, for their companies, but really never having a clear sense of what it actually meant to execute on that. Um, so for us, we said, hey, let's um, let's start looking at how the best companies sell their products and how they do lead management and how they execute on um, closing deals. And let's see if we can bring that sales and marketing discipline uh, to the recruitment space and the software we provide. And that's generally the mantra that we, we go to the market with. And is there a sort of distinct methodology to this when you're um, looking at how, uh, how recruiters are work, working from a, a, a sales and marketing perspective? Are there, um, are there, are there different stages? Are there um, you know, things that, that, that you see people doing that, that work really well? How, 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 does it, how does it break down? Yeah, so what is driving our thinking about the process or the methodology is what is going to actually happen globally uh, over the next 15 years. Um, and there are two facts that unfortunately are going to happen. Uh, one is that the workforce is aging, so there's going to be less and less skilled labor. So um, compared to um, times when there were very few jobs and lots of skilled people to do those jobs, we're going into a universe that regardless of economic conditions, there will be less and less skilled laborers to do work. Um, the second phenomena that we're paying attention to quite a lot uh, is the fact that um, math skills um, and science skills have um, unfortunately not been something our kids want to study. <laughs> As a result, uh, the calling card is coming uh, to the point where um, there's certain parts of the world, um, Asia, China specifically, that have spent a lot of time working on math and engineering skills. And there are other parts of the world like North America uh, and Europe uh, that, that maybe they haven't done such a great job of, of mastering those skills. And so uh, as a result, we believe you're going to have a situation in which you have tighter pools of high-skilled labor to pull from and you need to figure out how to um, maximize your utilization. Now, to go back to your question, how does that influence the marketing approach? Well, um, I would say a recruiter probably can have a relationship, a true relationship with between 100 and 250 people at any point in time. Um, and therefore, they should probably be um, doing micro-marketing to folks they have a true relationship with as opposed to trying to use mass marketing to develop relationships with hundreds of people or thousands of people who they'll never actually know. Um, and so this is a real change. Um, and if this is where the market's going, you're going to need tools to allow you to manage that list of people who you have a authentic relationship with to market to them. Now, getting the people to get into your authentic relationships, yes, that's where you use mass marketing tools um, uh, to, to communicate to them, whether it's buying pay-per-click advertising, going to shows, buying print advertising, the different ways that you get them to come to you in the first place. But then as a recruiter, you're really going to need to create a hot list or a short list of those people who you can actually mature into a hire. Uh, and you're going to constantly need to be refreshing that list. And that, 
that's as much of a, being a salesperson as it is of being a marketer, but it's really having that list of, of deals or prospects that you can talk to. And there may be cases where you talk to a candidate today who you might not be able to turn into a hire for a number of years, but you have to think in much longer cycles um, because of the shortage that's, that is upon us. And it's a global shortage right now, for example, in Europe, you would almost need in Germany, for example, every Syrian with an education to come to Germany and stay there. It, it doesn't sound like they're very excited right now to keep them, but you would need every one of them to stay there because you're not going to have enough people to fill the jobs. You're seeing that they can't fill apprenticeships. They can't fill a lot of the traditional German approach to how to train and hire is breaking down because of the lack of, of talent. Okay. Um, so... I can see that from a agency recruiting perspective, this is this is this is how a lot of recruiters um, already already think. From from a corporate recruiting perspective, in in the in the time that you've kind of been um, you, you you've kind of been sort of uh, talking to uh, companies about this approach, have, have you have you seen a change in attitude over time in terms of uh, corporate recruiters having a more uh, marketing mindset when it comes to finding talent for their organization? organizations? Yeah. So we're seeing actually, um, I'd say three phenomena occurring that are surprising. Um, the first phenomena we're seeing is that, um, folks in the business services category who are not staffing companies, but consulting firms that are our clients are increasingly looking at acquiring people as an asset to allow them to execute their business. So they are, are very much focused on building talent pipelines and talent pools to try and, and find these people. And folks in high skill categories, such as the pharmaceutical industry or the healthcare industry, where they're already filling these acute shortages, again, they're focused on behaving much more like a traditional <clears throat> professional recruiting company would function because they're just, they're, they're, they know the shortage is upon them. Okay. Um, the other uh, areas that we're seeing um, are things like RPOs, where um, corporates that are not either building their own internal recruitment firm that may service multiple business units as if it was a professional recruiting firm within the company um, are bringing in outsourced um, staffing companies to actually take over their corporate re recruiting responsibility. Um, so that, that's, that's what we're seeing. And, and therefore, because of these pressures, we believe that corporate recruiters are going to have to reorganize themselves to think much more like an agency within the company for filling jobs. And hence, they're going to need to build talent line, pipelines and market to people and do an outreach that allows them to figure out what are the type of positions they can effectively fill. And then what are the areas where they can't compete, where they're going to have to bring in uh, an RPO or a third-party resource. You, you mentioned a sort of a couple of categories um, of uh, of companies there. Um, are, are there any sort of specific examples of uh, companies you think who are who are already doing this really really well? Yeah, so I would say that entertainment companies like Cirque du Soleil and Disney um, are definitely um, figuring out that they have uh, multiple business units they have to service, and especially in the high skill specialty categories that they operate in. They're, they're basically doing this. Um, I've also seen some folks who aren't our customers like Genentech, which is part of, I think, um, uh, Pfizer now. Now is it part of Pfizer? No, it's part of the big German pharmaceutical company. Sorry, I'm having a moment, Matt. That's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but they, they specifically are building talent pipelines um, to pre-market to candidates. And the reason they're doing that is they don't know what jobs they're going to have um, to fill specifically next quarter, but they know that every quarter X, they have X number of scientists, and X number of chemists, 
an X number of you know vacancies that they will traditionally have to fill. So building pipelines of who these people are and having them ready to go even before the requisitions open allow them to do just-in-time recruiting. Um, and I think that, that just-in-time recruiting concept is actually pretty important to the corporate recruiter because the hiring manager's expectation of when they need the job filled is not when they fill out the rack. It's about five weeks before they fill out the rack. They just got around to finally filling it out because now they're desperate, right? And so it's almost a more acute problem for the corporate recruiter than for a staffing company. Yeah, absolutely. No, I um, um I, I kind of see people experiencing that um, that kind of issue all the time. Um, just to to just to move the conversation, shift the conversation slightly towards um software because um, uh, get software, legacy software, software upgrades, new uh, you know, new types of recruitment software are kind of very much uh, on the agenda at the moment. Um, and what's always interested me um about you guys is that you uh you have built your technology on the Salesforce platform. Um, could you could you tell us a little bit about why why you did that and, and how you, how how you found it and and why you think it's important? Sure. So um, first off, we looked at Taleo, Connexa, um, iSims, all the sort of legacy connect. Uh, which one am I leaving off that legacy list? Success factors. All these legacy platforms start off by building software around a specific purpose or a specific problem they were trying to solve. And we said, geez, every time we look at the HR landscape, we see lots of different problems, but fundamentally no good foundations. Um, they're not building on anything that's solid. Okay. Why don't we go look at what's the most solid platform in the market um, to build on? Um, and we determined that Salesforce, as the market leader in software as a service, and really understanding the sales and marketing and customer service dynamics, was the best platform to build on. From that, we then said, okay, what are the specific things our customers are going to need? And let's build modules on top of this really strong foundation to address how you market to candidates or how you recruit a candidate. And, and it's interesting is if you look at Gartner's research in the space, they're really showing that applicant tracking is a, almost a dead space from a creativity standpoint and from a new idea standpoint. And that's really because the market solutions have ventured out of kind of the, these traditional poor foundations. In most companies, and most of your corporate recruiters will probably be able to feel this, the people who get the most money to spend on new toys are the sales and marketing team because the company perceives that if we give sales and marketing more resources, that somehow they'll go out and create more revenue or wealth for the company. HR usually doesn't get the best toys. So we said, hey, what if we strapped ourselves to the sales and marketing team because they seem to get the best? Um, and instead of HR having to set up, settle for secondary platforms or you know secondary tools, let's strap ourselves to the tool that's always going to be at the cutting edge of innovation, which is what we saw in the Salesforce platform. And in doing so, now we're going to be able to bring innovation without a lot of extra effort to folks who usually have to wait for it. In terms of 2016, what what do you think is going to happen this year? What are your sort of predictions for uh, corporate recruiting and technology? What can we expect to see uh, happening over the next 12 months? So I think corporate recruiters have been given an impossible task. Um, they need to um, be able to set up an organization that's going to be capable of finding people who don't exist at a time in which leadership doesn't know whether the economy is going to continue moving in a positive direction or a negative direction. Therefore, no one's going to want to give them resources to do their jobs. Um, and it's going to become increasingly difficult for them to be successful. And they're going to face um, outside forces such as RPOs and staffing firms wanting to come in and wholesale replace them. 
So more pressure, less resources, and more uncertainty than ever before in a time in which finding the people is going to become harder and harder to do. Um, right now, most of the solutions are focused towards making corporate recruitment a service bureau that makes the hiring manager happy um, and tries to make sure that the hiring manager's experience is the best possible, as opposed to figuring out, okay, what, why don't we look out three quarters, four quarters, and make some commitments as to what we're actually going to need to hire and make sure we build those pipelines. And so this is a really tough time to be in corporate recruitment, I think. I may feel really good right now because we're hiring lots of people and things feel like they're moving in the right direction. But what we really need to be looking at are what are ways that we can secure ourselves um, to make sure that we, we're, we're going to live, <laughs> right? And, and, and I'm sorry to put it in a real politic way I'm laying it out. But um, I think the things we need to be looking at are, okay, how many of our employees are attriting because they're retiring? What are their skills and how can we recruit them back to work for us on a part-time basis so that we decrease our demand for filling skills that we're going to have a very difficult time filling, okay? Especially in the, in the higher skill categories, finance, uh, legal, um, uh, engineering, uh, programming, you know, things that, that are, are tough, Okay, then um, how are we going to um, build pipelines of folks that we can tap into who may want to work part time, may want to work a more of a flexible shift, uh, may not be, um, you know, how we traditionally thought about it, because we have a, a new workforce that we're going to have to deal with starting in 2016 and going on for a decade. Um, that's a challenge, right? Now, you can master the challenge by saying, okay, we're just putting on a job board and just going into LinkedIn and trying to rate everyone that else, everyone else is rating the same way we've always done it. That's not necessarily going to buy you a lot of advantage. I think you really have to start thinking about, okay, what we've seen most of our most successful corporate uh, recruiters are folks who are strategically thinking about the pipeline. They know they're going to need to recruit for the next 12 months, building specialty teams that do that that are really primarily focused on sourcing and building those relationships with the people they need, um, making that front-end investment so as those positions come up, their time to fill is greatly decreased because they have a lot of the talent ready to go. And that's that's something that a good recruiting team will have to do because um, there there's going to probably be some uncertainty over the next 12 months. Um, but, but in general, you know, my thought is they're in a tough spot. And, and I think they have to start rethinking about how they're organized and how they're operating, again, to be much more like a staffing company that lives within the company, corporation as opposed to the traditional corporate player. I think there's another pressure player coming in that will continue to put pressure on the corporate recruiter, which is your purchasing departments, where um, if you look at what um, SAP has done, they're very much into thinking that purchasing should manage recruitment, not HR. And so I think HR needs to put in itself in a position where it's protected and where it is going to be effective, which is to say, hey, purchasing shouldn't be uh, running this. We should run it ourselves, and we need to be structured so we can actually fulfill more of the jobs that we can fulfill. The last point I would make here is the corporate recruitment team should figure out what are the type of jobs it can consistently fill on its own and what are the ones that it cannot. And in the ones it cannot, it should call that out and give those to purchasing and let them go find a staffing firm, an outside person to do, okay? So, you know, the advantage of the corporate recruiter is knowing what you can do, what you can't do. You're going to have to move away from being, you know, just a service agency to a couple hiring managers, and you're going to really need to think about how your real customer today is the candidate. 
And if you don't feel like the customer's the candidate, um, well, then you must be in the oil and gas industry right now. Uh, because <laughs> that's probably the only market that we're going to see a lot of candidates in um, that we traditionally were seeing deficits of three to four cans for every opening. We're now going to probably go to a one-to-one equivalence. I, I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. I think it's going to be a, a very, very interesting year. Ted, thank you very much for talking to me. My thanks to Ted Elliott. Thanks also to everyone who has got in touch to say they're enjoying the podcast this year. If you're finding the content useful, I'd really appreciate a review or ratings on iTunes so more people can find the podcast. Just open up the iTunes store, search for a recruiting feature and click the stars to rate. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes and on Stitcher if you use it. For past episodes, to find out more about me and to join the mailing list, please go to www.rfpodcast.com. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. 